to another thrill-packed episode of Superman Movie Minute, the show that scrutinizes, analyzes, and you'll believe a man can flies this 1978 Superman the Movie, five minutes at a time. Proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network, I'm one of your hosts, Chris Franklin, and joining me on this journey through time and space is... Rob Kelly. Hey, Rob, how are you feeling? Uh, <laughs> I have felt better. I'm in the middle of some sort of weird Martian death cold thing, but I am persevering because Superman Movie Minute is just that important, especially since we have a special guest. Did Nuclear Man scratch you? Is that what happened? <laughs> <laughs> Superman must die. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, destroy Superman. Uh, anyway, uh, yes, we have a very special returning guest. Yes, he's back, and we're happy to report he's wearing his trunks on the outside once again. It's Michael Bailey. How's it going, Mike? <laughs> but first, I have fun. And then I take <laughs> Rob and I off the side. No, I'm doing great. Um yeah, my wife's still a little upset that I'm I'm wearing my trunks on the outside, but I've just been so freaking excited about uh, well every announcement that they've been coming out with lately that uh, that uh, I don't care. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna let my uh, red trunks fly. I guess I should say. <laughs> very good, very good. Uh, so Mike is joining us to discuss this segment, which begins with Alex schooling Otis and Miss Tessmacher on space debris in his lair and ends with Lex once again realizing Otis may be better suited for a remedial class. Uh, <laughs> so uh, Lex is holding class, and um, of course he goes to his collection of National Geographics under N, as we established, uh, and finds an article about a meteor in Addis Ababa. So right out of the gate, guys, what do we think of Lex piecing together the potential dangers of kryptonite to Superman? I think this is something you best not think about too closely, because when I was watching the scene and I'm like, wait a second, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Where, is, is, there, is there something in this article about the high radioactivity of Kryptonians? I mean, it, it just seemed like there was a lot of information given to us, and we're really just not supposed to think about how that information got there. Right. <laughs> I'm, I'm bothered that Lex tears a page out of his own magazine. That just seems, you know, it's okay to do it when you're like in the dentist's office, but this is his own collection. I don't understand. Why would he do that? <laughs> and it's obviously going to be of great importance to him later. So why wouldn't you want to keep that issue nice and nice and minty, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, I am not an expert in, in radiation. I never have been, but <laughs> I, I do, I do kind of think that the whole, you know, we as comic book fans and, and, and genre fans just kind of accept that how kryptonite kind of is supposed to work it. Like, you know, it's, it's more, it's either deadly to Kryptonians only as in the pre-crisis era, or it's more deadly, you know, more immediately deadly uh, to Kryptonians. Uh, than than regular humans because of the specific, you know, uh, because obviously Kryptonians come from Krypton. That's irradiated pieces of Krypton, so therefore it makes them, uh, you know, it can weaken them and kill them. I kind of tend to think that's 1940s thoughts on radiation still being in use today. You know, I just, <laughs> I, I think you just kind of have to accept that as part of, of, uh, of the canon, you know, so... I, I, yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> was 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 John was John Byrne? I I know I'm going to get wrapped in the mouth for asking this, but uh, <laughs> was was John Byrne the first guy to 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 put to put forth the idea that kryptonite was harmful to humans when the thing with Luthor in his hand? I I don't remember that being a thing before that storyline. 
I am reasonably sure uh, that's the case. There was a kryptonite that was deadly to humans in mm. the in the right. Bronze Age. Right. I think that that was that Brave and the Bold issue with Metallo and Lois Lane. Oh, it's so good. Oh, Copperberg, such a good issue. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it was it was Burn, and and you know I'm I'm what they lovingly call a Burn victim. Uh, and, and, and he is the reason why I'm reading Superman. But there are a lot of times where I look at the decisions that he made and went, John, I think you're overthinking this. Uh, by, by having it be that the, radio, the radioactivity would affect humans eventually, I think was just him going, well, why, doesn't, why is it only Kryptonians? If it's radioactive, it's radioactive. And, and then it's just like, but it affects Kryptonians faster? <laughs> your, your, your theory falls apart here, but you know, I love this movie so much. So I've never really truly like analyzed it before, you know, you know, the couple of episodes I've done and listening to the show, as you guys have talked about it. So I have literally until watching these five minutes for this episode thought about how many leaps of logic are, are made in this, in this scene regarding kryptonite. Like, you know, you're, you're getting from point A to point B where, you know, the kryptonite's deadly. But it's like every other version of Superman that had kryptonite at least had some kind of scene where he's weakened by the rock and that's how they discover it mm-hmm. affects him. Here, this is just like, well, I read this in National Geographic back when people actually read National Geographic, <laughs> back when magazines were important. Um <laughs> enough to save uh and I, it's just like this scene is important because it explains why they are stealing the rock and you know it sets up the thing for the missiles and all that but just if, if i think about it too long it just completely falls apart the the thing that saves it is that it's an entertaining scene with mm-hmm. three actors just having a ball with the material yeah, oh, that's true. And I love the fact that uh, we now, from this scene, we learn that it took all of 12 hours for Superman telling Lois that he can't see through lead to that to come back to bite him in the ass. Like, that's, that's literally the next day. Like, oh, I shouldn't have said that. Because they all know it. They're like, oh, he can't see through lead. And you're no good Superman. Oh, and then, like, Miss Tessmacher even points to the box that they're going to put yeah. it in. Like, so they're already got the death trap ready to go. There's yeah. a... There's an episode of the radio series uh, that was released by the Smithsonian on CD back in the late 90s and early 2000s where it was two stories. There was a Batman and Robin story and then a kryptonite story. And in between there, you had like this two episodes where Superman, uh, Clark Kent learns that the scientist that discovered kryptonite on the radio series has died and he had put the kryptonite in a vault and now that vault's going to be open. So it's now a danger to him again. So Lois and Perry go over to his apartment to figure out what's going on. He tells them the story of Krypton and they redo the first episode. And at the end of it, he's just like, okay, now it's really, really important that no one knows about this. (laughs) And Perry's like, well, I have pole over at the museum, so I'm going to go take care of this right now. Oh, that's great. So he goes to bed. He wakes up like eight hours later, and it's in the paper that there's this (laughs) 
substance that can kill Superman. And he calls Lois and she's like, well, Perry and I just decided it was just too good of a story. And I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> you people are terrible. <laughs> so, so, so that reminded me of this. It's just like, really, you put that in the paper. I mean, you saw her writing it down, but again, did you not think that maybe there's, well, she's a reporter. So I guess it's important. <laughs> Yeah, you know, you're talking about analyzing, uh, you know, this for for the show and something I never noticed that when Lex talks about the debris of Krypton floating down, Ned Beatty makes little floaty motions with his fingers <laughs> as I had never <laughs> noticed that before. Well, he's doing all sorts of pantomime. It's amazing. Like the, yeah. when 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 he's staring at the magazine, like you could see him like his brow is furrowed. Uh, that's yeah. like that's like me when I'm in front of Adobe Illustrator. I'm just like, Ugh, like I just don't understand what I'm looking at. It's, it's that same thing. It's just like, oh my god. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's. It, I, I think that just. I think Mike's right, though. I mean, you know, and, and we because we are analyzing this five minutes at a time. Yes, we do notice things that we don't, you know, notice didn't notice before, and then you start questioning some things. But overall, this is a, a hugely entertaining uh, segment. I mean, you know, I, I don't understand how Otis is as dumb as he is, but he knows what a Bernoose is. I, I don't. <laughs> but <laughs> and of course, of course, the line "Are we going to Addis Ababa, Mister Luthor?" I mean, that is like my go-to line for Otis for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> and just the look on Hackman's face as you know. Miss Tessmacher is just immediately concerned with what she's going to wear. <laughs> Ned uh, Otis figures out, oh, we're actually going to this place. And he's just like, I'm surrounded by morons. Uh, <laughs> but this is easily one of the most quotable scenes in the movie as well. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's just, I, I, I often at work will, uh, if one of my associates is acting maybe a little slow on the uptake, it's like, do you know what the, Number 200 has in common between the two of us. No one gets it, uh, which is probably for the best because I don't want to get punched in the face. But just just, the, just this entire scene is just so – like Gene Hackman is effortless in this scene. Like he is just the smartest guy in the room. Now, that's not hard considering who else is in the room, but – still it's just so neat i love the wig he's wearing and the outfit it's just like this this man is in a perpetual state of dress up uh in his own life and i just i just absolutely love that you know when i was a kid i always thought lex in this scene kind of looked like the toy man and he's got the he's got the hair you know he's 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 a He's not, you know, he kind of looks like a, a little more dapper version of, of the classic Toy Man. So that's, that was kind of a neat uh, little extra visual there, yeah. So Hackman, uh, was, yeah. Hackman was so good at comedy, it's a shame that out of like the, I don't know, I think he did like 60 or 70 movies, there's only a handful that are comedies. I mean, this, this movie's not a comedy, but this is a comedy part. And he was a cameo in Young Frankenstein, and he did The Birdcage and a couple other movies, but... Uh, the Royal Tenenbaums, he's really funny in that. But, I mean, he was he was a really funny, for, for a dramatic actor, he was hysterically funny. But he didn't dabble in it too much, which is too bad because, like, every time he did it, he scored. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and and I I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I kind of would like there to be I'm, – I'm sure there's probably some alternate universe somewhere where these three, like, did several pictures together. Oh, yeah. Like, 
you know, they were almost like a comedy, uh, like a comedy troupe almost or something. And I mean, I, you know, you, you could follow just these characters in a different movie without Superman. And it would be very entertaining and very hilarious. And, and, you know, that kind of, uh, you know, smart humor with a little slapstick mixed in, it would, I I think it would have, would have been great. It's a, it was a missed opportunity for, Warner Brothers or somebody to, to jump on that. So yeah, they have a yeah, great Val- rhythm together, no doubt. And Valerie, Valerie Perrine. I mean, I, <laughs> we, we we tend to focus on certain aspects of her uh, performance uh, over others, but I, I think it's I think that belies somebody who was really good at you know she's with two she's really with two powerhouses of acting here. You know, mm-hmm. Hackman by this point had he won the Oscar yet? Uh, yes, he won for, for the he won for the French Connection. So yeah, and you know, uh, Beatty was a was a serious dramatic actor as well, who also could do comedy very effectively. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, you should say that, you know he did this after Deliverance, and that's kind of a heavy film. <laughs> kind of. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, and and this is kind of a lighter touch, and it is. Yeah, I hate to use the word, but it is like campier than some other parts of the film, you know, outside of the, you know, the beginning is the Shakespearean on high thing. And then we go right to the John Ford movie. And then here we're, we're kind of into a contemporary almost comedy in certain instances. And they're just running the scenes like, like it's nothing. And I think, I think to me, that is where Kevin Spacey kind of faltered a little bit. I don't know if he wasn't surrounded by people that were as good as these two were, or if just the material was so different because that's a that's kind of a different Lex Luthor. But it seemed like when Kevin Spacey was trying to be funny, it didn't come off as well as what Hackman does here. Yeah, I can see that. He's uh, the Spacey one is much more uh, to me. He's much scarier. I mean, no, no, no. no the, the, this Luther's pretty bad too. I mean, I, I joked about with that line from Valley Prime where she says, "I'm no, I'm going to get wrapped in the mouth for this." But like, that's a really dark line, you know. Yeah, we know is. that like yeah. he regularly is beating Miss Tessmacher. It's like that's pretty, pretty dark, you know. And she's she's complicit in it on some level, you know. I mean, because she's staying with him and she actually finds him kind of hot and stuff because she gets all hot for his form at different points. So I mean, she's got a whole weird dynamic going on too. Yeah, that's another thing I didn't think about as a kid that, you know, she says, I'm going to get wrapped in the mouth for this. <laughs> I heard that the other day when I was watching this, I was like, wow, that we were so, like, casual with abuse back in the 70s, weren't we? <laughs> yeah. That's just, yeah. I mean, you think, I mean, go back and watch some Honeymooners episodes, you know? I mean, jeez. <laughs> so, um, well, uh, have we uh, have we unpacked uh, Lex's lair scene? Are you guys ready to, to move to the to to the next uh, segment with our trio of villains? Are we going to Colorado, Mister Franklin? <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited to talk about the Google self driving car. Yes, <laughs> yes, <laughs> we do see a car driven remotely by Lex. It wrecks, and uh, when the convoy, the army convoy, arrives at the accident scene, they find a lovely victim sprawled in the road. This is a good look for Valerie Perrine, but then so is a burlap sack. Uh, <laughs> um, so, you know, I, one thing I noticed uh, in this, uh, again, when watching it for this time, was you actually see the little 
I don't know what you call it, the arm or whatever that comes down to flip the car. You can see it in the, you know, as it actually hits the pavement. And then you can see it as the car flips over. And uh, some people might say, well, that's, you know, oh, oh they let the, the special effect from the movies, you know, show the wires are showing or whatever. Well, I kind of think that's how Lex did it. You know, I, I just mm-hmm. kind of think. I take that as part of it, but I, this is the first time I really ever noticed it. Like oh, me throughout. too. I just just noticed it now. Wow, this is like the polar bear. You keep showing me new things that I've never seen before. <laughs> yeah, the the puppet polar bear. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> the thing about the car driving on the road, the shot of that 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 always gets with me when I watch it uh, this movie again is that's the same shot of Lois and Clark leaving the <laughs> fortress in Superman Two. Oh with yeah. Voiceover. Uh, so it's, it's the same car. It's like they literally just reused the same shot and just stopped it before the car flipped. Wow. (laughs) The the car that Superman for some reason had at the fortress, which. (laughs) Well, apparently it was a popular car because Lex got it for cheap too. So (laughs) on the, on the commentary, Donner talks about that. They shot that crash with like five cameras, which is how they were able to get it from so like, you know, they, that way they only had to flip the car the one time because it would have been obviously they would have had to have several cars uh, if they didn't get it right. So they just shot it with like so many cameras that they had enough footage to use, which is I mean, the cameras aren't cheap, but it's a lot cheaper than buying six or seven cars to flip over. So that's a kind of an economical filmmaking is just get get, you know, get your stunt but make sure you shoot it in so many angles that you'll you'll definitely get good footage out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's just that's just good filmmaking, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and I think it's more dynamic when you're kind of seeing the same shot from different angles. Yeah, it's cool. Because, you know, the way they cut it, it's it's similar in uh, Star Wars when Luke and Leia are swinging over the chasm. They only did that shot once, hmm. but they filmed it from three different angles, so it looks really <laughs> dramatic. And here, you know, I, I was just watching, and I was watching that car flip, and I'm just like, man. Practical effects are awesome. I mean, <laughs> seriously, you get like, like, you know, they could, you know, I don't know if they still flip cars like that or if they want to do it in the computer because maybe it's cheaper to do it that way. Uh, and then you're not, you know, you can control how it flips and how it spins and all that. But to me, there's just <laughs> something about this sequence. Uh, just seeing him with the remote control, it's just like this guy really is an evil genius. Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, nowadays it would like, you know, be Jamie and, and Adam from the Mythbusters, like, you know, teaching him how to do it. But still. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good call. Did, I, I think it's funny. I recently rewatched the, the 70s making of Superman documentary. And there's a little bit in that that where um, Ned Beatty is, he's got the, he's got the little bit of the tree that he's hiding behind. Uh, and, and he, he does this pantomime bit with, for the, for the crew where he's like, you know, he puts it in front of him, he sits it beside the truck, then he gets behind it again. And he's like, he like t- carries it all the way over to the truck as he's getting underneath the tarp to get to the missile. It's, it's hilarious. It, you know, it's like, I almost, I, they couldn't have left that in. It would have been too far, but I, I'm almost surprised it wasn't on the three-hour version, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, really. Jeez, the, the scrap, every scrap of footage they had. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's funny that he has the least camouflage shirt on possible. Like, he couldn't be bothered yeah. to put a green shirt on. He looks like he's, he looks like a giant pizza walking around in the forest. Well, you know, not, not that I'm complaining that we got it, but with this p- sequence in particular, with the three-hour cut, it's like, we are now in hour nine of the missile switch. Let's keep going with this. So. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's where there's a huge amount of of footage, and like I, Rob and I discussed when we talked about that, it really does go from you know kind of light and fun a bit to just straight on slapstick. I mean it's 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 it almost entering the realm of a Three Stooges short. You know, <laughs> it's it's it really is. Yeah. I always wondered why they had the whole diversion with Otis screwing up the the codes. Like why even why even do that? It doesn't add anything really to the movie other than just showing that Otis is incompetent. But, I mean, it, doesn't, it seems like a, for a two-and-a-half-hour movie, it's like, really? You needed this? <laughs> weird, weird question for you, Chris, that making of. Um, where did you watch it on? I think off uh, the, the DVD set or the Blu-ray set, one of, one of the two. Okay, the reason why I was asking you is, I don't know if it's the one for the first one or the second one, but on the, the 2006 DVD set, either the one for Superman the movie or the one for Superman 2, for some reason, was pitched really low. Mm. So it's, it's like, Christopher Reeve is talking like this. And, it, and, yes. and I've seen that special like a thousand times. Mm-hmm. So it, was, it really stood out. I'm like, you put all the effort of putting it on this DVD and you can't get the sound mix right? What, what's going on here? So <laughs> I was just wondering which version you were watching. Yeah, I think it was that version because he does sound like he's got like a, a cold. I mean, he's, he's, he's really super deep, you know, I made Superman and, you know, it's 1977 to 70. Yeah, I mean, it's real, <laughs> like, like super, super deep. I mean, it's, yeah, I, I think you're right. I hadn't even thought of that, but yeah, it's like Christopher Reeve doesn't sound like that. You're right. Of course. You know? So, so now, you know, as, as, uh, Miss Tessmacher is sprawled on the pavement, we get a cameo by Larry Hagman, mm. who has traded military branches since his I Dream of Genie days. Mm. <laughs> pre, I think this is slightly pre-JR. It Larry is. Hagman. They talk about yeah. it on the commentary that they got him just before he landed Dallas, and that's when he was available for small parts like this. You know, that's how they got because he he never even you see his face, but it's not like he gets like a sort of like featured star shot where you're like acknowledging that this is a famous guy. He really is just sort of like a generic actor. So yeah, it's, it's sort of funny when you jump out, it's JR. And I, the one other thing I wanted to mention is like, they mentioned in the commentary again, I'm always bringing up the commentary, but Donner talks about that after Hagman, cause I guess they stayed friends with him and stuff that after Hagman got the JR gig, he used to have to go through airports with bodyguards because people would come up and hit him. Because he was Jr. and I hear I hear stuff like that, and I'm like, are Americans just insane? Yeah, like are, are people just yeah. nuts that they that they can't figure out that the pictures in the box aren't real? Like I, it, I I hear stuff like that, and I'm like, wow, those are people that like have jobs and drive cars. You know, it's terrifying. <laughs> I, I, well, I I think it's just you know when you only see one person in one context, you might and I'm not or I'm not defending them, please. Believe me, I'm, I'm at no point doing that because this is how we get MAGA. But <laughs> the um, – I'm sorry. No, I'm not sorry at all. But, yeah, it's, it's just it's, – it's kind of funny to me that, that you know, the, these people that play these quote-unquote hated characters or characters we love to hate then need physical protection from, you know, morons. So I, I just I can't. Know. Yeah, I just can't understand that you you can't discern that the, the thing in your house that has the pictures is not real. Like, I don't understand that. <laughs> but, you know, anyway, I'm sorry to mean to derail the conversation. But, yes, well, it is well, but- Larry Hagman in a nice little cameo. And, of course, he gets the, the fun job of uh, uh, physically assaulting Miss Tessmacher. <laughs> 
<laughs> vigorous, vigorous chest massage. Uh, and I love, I love how his sergeant, the visibly goes, oh, you know, yes. like bites his, <laughs> bites his lip because he's not going to get to do it. You know, it, it, you know, and thinking that this was right before Dallas and right before he, you know, would forever be linked to that character. Do you think? when people saw this in the theater, like some of the, the, the older people in the audience, it's like, Oh, it's the guy from my dream of genie. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. It, know, it, was, just... it was heavily syndicated back then too. I mean, like constantly it was on at least once a day in like every market in the country. I bet my dream of genie was, <laughs> was it also now I, I'm mixing up my making of specials because I've seen, there's like three of them for, for this movie at this point that have been on different, DVD and home video releases. Was it in the one from 78, 79 that had the behind the scenes shot of him getting the, the lipstick applied and him kissing, I guess. Yes, I think so, yes. Yeah. So that's another thing that's, that stands out for me is that he had to kiss a woman to get the, th- like they couldn't figure out just how to paint it on him. So they just had him kiss some <laughs> stand. <laughs> Yeah, that, that was in one of those. But yeah, I think so. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I love when Hackman Hackman's line delivery when he drives up in the ambulance. Hi, somebody hurt? You know, that's just <laughs> he's so chipper. <laughs> and I'm just wondering. I know that you know these are soldiers, so forensic science is probably beyond them, but. Like, how she sprawled and how that car is wrecked makes absolutely no sense. No. <laughs> yeah, how did she fly out of the car? You know, how did she land the way she did? Yeah, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. <laughs> but it distracted him long enough for Otis to screw, screw up his up. job. <laughs> well, because as we, as we see from this movie, the army is just a bunch of horn dogs. They, they completely forget about their... <laughs> About guarding the missile so they can all moon over this girl. It's good good to know our, our nation's in good hands. Well, that's, that's out- why the, the Navy guys are so much better. That's, right, yeah. that's true. This, this, this outfit later goes on to be featured in Stripes. I have been met proud. Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> I, I remember for years, uh, this guy I, I, I would see at work was, uh, for the several years I worked at Home Depot, was just constantly trying to convince me that the sergeant that he sends away was Chevy Chase. Um, I don't know why he was so obsessed with this. Oh, man. Pre-internet. But now every time I see it, I look at him, I go, he doesn't even, like, they have the same hair, I think, is is probably the only really physical resemblance between the two of them. But this dude was absolutely convinced that Chevy Chase was in this movie. Oh, my God. Pre-internet, that had to drive you nuts because it's like, dude, you're so wrong. You're so catastrophically <laughs> yeah. wrong. But I have no way of proving it to you, short of pulling Richard Donner out from behind a sign, Annie Hall style, and telling you that you're wrong. Oh. <laughs> uh, so, his, so his job done, Otis rejoins Lex and Miss Tessmacher in the ambulance. And he's very excited that he thought he did his job correctly. And I, I just love Ned Beatty. He's like a puppy who properly <laughs> fetched the stick for his master. It's 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 great. <laughs> yeah, of course he got the last two digits of the the four numbers put together. So yeah, it, yeah. So, but uh, I, you know, I, I'm with you. Uh, you know, Rob, we and I know it's 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 for comedy's sake and everything, but. You got Otis, you got Miss Tessmacher, 
And I know he rectifies it later, but I mean, if he's the greatest criminal mind of our time, I understand that, but, but, but of our time, but would you, which of the two would you pick to do the technical side of, <laughs> of this uh, mission? You know, I mean, it's just, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, as we know from the Superman movie Treasury, of course, which we which we covered over on Treasury Cast, that Otis is like some scientific genius. But of course, we never see any of that in the movie. He's just an idiot. So, yeah, uh, we don't, it doesn't make any sense that Luthor would trust him with such delicate, precise operation. But that would have been that would have been an entertaining aspect to the film, though, that he's presented as this idiot. But every once in a while, he spouts off something that makes you realize that. He is like a, a savant or something like that, uh, but no, we, we we never we never ever in in any of the films see that. Well, if you you know if you go by uh, you know they they always say in Hollywood nothing ever gets unused; it always gets recycled. Uh, the the blonde from Superman three, you know, that mm-hmm. was pretty much her character. So. <laughs> So I like I said I I love I love the the comedy timing of 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 these three actors I I think it's I think it's great it's you know it, and we're 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 getting ready for as as we end this segment we're we're getting ready to jump into a segment that's uh, that's got uh, the 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 end of this scene and and some even greater moments between them and and uh, yeah I I I, I kind of wish in a, in a way that. Uh, I know we're not supposed to talk about Superman too. Rob don't want me to, but uh, <laughs> but I'm but such I really a skull. do wish, you, you are. I wish that I know they're both in Superman too, but I wish that they had gotten uh, you know some screen some actual screen time together, other than you know Otis is trying to climb up a ladder and and Miss Desmocker's in the hot air balloon uh, b- uh, basket, you know, um, because I think uh, that's an aspect that uh, from this movie that that could have carried forward and and. Uh, you know, boy, I you know I really would have rather seen either one of them in Superman four than, of course, I would have seen rather seen a lot of things in Superman four, but than than John Cryer. Uh, so, <laughs> could you imagine imagine an Otis and Non scene? That would have been amazing. <laughs> the uh, the score when we get to the 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 truck scene, I guess, for lack of a better way of saying it, uh, when I listen to the score. It's always the point that kind of pulls me out of the the can you read my mind segment, mm. and because when you're listening to it, it's kind of abrupt. But what I love about this uh, about John Williams' score in in this scene in particular is, and, and Family Guy made the joke that Stewie would follow fat guys around playing the tuba. But yeah. what is what is playing the the villains march when he's walking around? It's a it's just a tuba solo basically. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And it's just it just the way it comes in and out of like this very serious da 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 da, da and then da dun dun da dun and then back to something heavy. It's just the man was just a master with having the music be a character in the movie, uh, along with the actors uh, portraying the uh, playing their parts. I just uh, love the score to this film. Yeah, it's it, yeah, it's it is that that thing that dun 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 dun. Dun, 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 you know when it it, it 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 really does just like well make you set up for a minute it's like oh scene transition but it's it but it all it all works you know like you said i mean it, it puts the pulls the different elements uh from the the villain's theme and everything in it's yeah it's it's fantastic uh, so we got any more to say about these five minutes guys 
Well, I guess we should we should ask Mike because this is as we head into the final third of the movie that this is Mike's final guest appearance on the show and and you know so Mike if you have anything else you want to say about the movie you should say because obviously you don't have a lot of outlets for commentary on Superman on your own so this is this is really this is really your chance to get your final word in about Superman the movie. Um, you know i I cannot help but say any say. Uh, anything but good things about this film. I, the, the back half when I was a kid and keep in mind, I wasn't always like the quickest on the uptake kid was always the point where I would kind of tune in and out of it just because there were some scenes that, you know, weren't as exciting to me, but as an adult, I've grown to appreciate the, the back end of this film and just the, the artistry of showing Superman flying across the country, chasing the missiles. And when I was five years old, seeing this film for the first time, I will never forget how scared I was when Superman screams as he Hmm. takes off after uh, a scene with Lois. And I just, uh, what I really want to say more than anything is thank you for letting me be a part of this, uh, for the three episodes you had me on. I, uh, you know, I could talk about this movie, on one of my own shows, but you guys are doing such a great job breaking it down and having different voices come in and talk about it. And, uh, I just really appreciate you. Let me come out and play on this. Oh, well, you're welcome. It was a, you know, we couldn't imagine doing this without you. I mean, it's just, I mean, there's no way we're going to do a Superman, the movie show and not have Michael Bailey on it. There's no way. I'm not even the sure. Superman Four One is just gonna be me. Like <laughs> you guys are gonna keep saying you're gonna show up, and I'm just gonna be like, "Well, Chris Rob invited me to do this, but they didn't show up, so I guess I'll talk about these five minutes." Mike's going on and on defending the movie. You hear sound effects of me and Chris walking out, door slamming, car taking off. It's just like... <laughs> we don't show up just like that movie's budget, you know. So. <laughs> We're going to show up, but at the last minute, it was taken away from you. So exactly, yeah. <laughs> we're we're going to record the whole podcast in Canada. <laughs> uh, so, Mike, uh, speaking of those Superman outlets, uh, where can folks find you on the interwebs? Um, FortressofBailey2.com is the host of the Fortress of Bailey Two Podcasting Network, uh, where you have it all comes back to Superman, which is my uh, monthly reaffirmation of my Kryptonian faith. Uh, and coming later this year, because new episodes are being recorded, uh, From Crisis to Crisis will be returning. So we'll be continuing our look at the post-crisis Adventures of Superman, ending the whole Death of Clark Kent storyline, and then going into Superman versus Alien and the year one annuals before heading back into the story as it goes on. So yeah, FortressofBailey2.com. All right. Very good. Very good. And what about you, Rob? Where can folks find you on uh, the network? Oh, my, <laughs> my, my cold is killing me here. I'm too tired to get into all the places <laughs> the internet you can find me. Just go to firemotorpodcast.com, and there I am. Okay. All right. Uh, well, be sure to check out the other fine shows on our network at firewaterpodcast.com. And we'd love to read your comments on Superman the Movie over at firewaterpodcast.com. And you can leave us a review on iTunes if you're so inclined. And we all, always want to thank uh, Pete the Retailer and Alex Robinson for welcoming welcome, I never can say that word, welcoming <laughs> us into the Movie by Minute family and allowing us to use their format. So be sure to check out all the great Movie by Minute shows at moviesbyminute.com. I'll get that right one of these days. 
Join our Never Any Battle here next week on Superman Movie Minute. Bye. Bye. This country is safe again, Superman. Thanks to you. No, sir. Don't thank me, Warden. We're all part of the same team. Night.